When the American Civil War ended in April 9, 1865, white Confederates were concerned about the liberation of now former slaves. For some supporters of the Confederacy, they feared that the black man would seek revenge on the white race for the inhumane treatment that African Americans had to endure during the 17th and 18th century. As a result, in December 24th of 1865, six Confederate veterans from Pulaski, Tennessee created the infamous hate organization, the Ku Klux Klan. In an attempt to intimidate the black community and discourage the revolution that could potentially lead to the extermination of white superiority. 157 years later, and that fear of white genocide continues to this day, and was evident in the recent mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, that left 10 dead and millions across the country asking why and how. I am your social chemist Nelson, and today, I look into the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory and the reaction of the Republican establishment. Prior to 2016, conspiracy theories with the exception of anti-vaccine conspiracy theories were often fringe ideas that were great conversation starters during a Saturday night after a long week at work. But over the last seven years, and especially the last two, conspiracy theories have taken over the public discourse and have infected the minds of thousands of people in the U.S. You yourself might know a person who actively engages in conspiratorial content on a daily basis. Maybe it's your cousin who, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, developed chemophobia and is now convincing all her mom friends to try her alternative baby supplements because her special almond milk baby formula is all natural and doesn't contain those harmful chemicals that could lead to death, autism, or having a gay child. Maybe it's your spouse who watches a financial advisor on YouTube that refers to the Ukraine war and current monkeypox cases as a distraction while singing to them to join their newsletter. Or maybe it's your future father-in-law who gets his information from Tucker Carlson and regurgitates his same talking points while you nod in pretend agreement hoping he never discovers your podcast because if he did, you can kiss your 11-year relationship with your girlfriend goodbye. But in all seriousness, the dangers of conspiracy theories are now reaching unprecedented levels because of who is able to succumb to these ideas and what it's making regular people do. Individuals like Edgar Madison Welch, who went to comic ping pong to save children from the satanic pedophile rituals only to find nothing and the January 6th riots at Capitol Hill. So for today's episode, I'm going to look at the events of May 14th in Buffalo, New York, explain the conspiracy theory that led to this massacre, and break down the different versions of this conspiracy theory. Assess the response from the political right after the tragedy occurred, specifically from Ben Shapiro, and talk about a version of this conspiracy theory that often goes unaddressed and can make a possible re-emergence. On Saturday, May 14th, 18-year-old Peyton Gentron drove 200 miles to Buffalo, New York with his AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle wearing body armor and a military green helmet that had a head-mounted camera on it. The camera was used to livestream what would become the deadliest shooting in 2022 this year. At around 2.30 p.m., he arrives at the supermarket Top Friendly's Market on Jefferson Avenue, a neighborhood that is predominantly black. As he walks towards the supermarket, he shoots four people in the parking lot. Three of them are fatally shot. He then enters the store shooting another eight people, fatally killing another six. According to law enforcement officials, it is reported that as all this is happening, the shooter can be heard making racial slurs. At some point, Aaron Salter Jr., a former Buffalo Police Department officer, shoots Peyton Gentron but because of his body armor, the shots do nothing. Gentron then shoots back at the police officer, fatally killing him, adding the death count to 10 people during this massacre. 
One of the craziest things about this story is that as this is going on, someone calls 911 and to report what's happening. And as they're trying to get help, the 911 operator becomes frustrated with the person because they can't hear them and actually hangs up on them. And it's fucking wild because imagine you're in that situation and the person that is supposed to be helping you finds you as an inconvenience. Like, what the fuck? There is currently an investigation going on and it appears that either the person got fired or will be. Going back to the main narrative, uh, eventually the shooter was detained and held without bail. After the shooting, it was revealed that patient Gentrin was once sent for psychiatric evaluation after making concerning statements about suicide and murder during his high school days, I believe. And in 2020, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, he became influenced by right-wing conspiratorial ideologies about white genocide. In a 180-page manifesto, Gentrin wrote about his hatred for immigrants, the Jewish elite, and black people. Though, throughout his manifesto, which multiple sources say is a replica of Brenton Tarrant's manifesto, the Christchurch mask shooter from New Zealand, Gentron speaks about the Great Replacement, a conspiracy theory that has originated in France and its talking points that have been amplified by right-wing political pundits. In 2011, Renard Camus, a French author, published a book titled Le Grand Replacement, or as it's translated in English, The Great Replacement, in his book, he argues that the indigenous people of France are being systemically replaced by non-European people like Africans and Middle Easterns. And as foreigners migrate to France, it destabilizes and decultures society, but more importantly, that it would lead to the extinction of the Caucasian race, and that this existential threat is being orchestrated by sinister entities, more specifically, the Jews. In the American version of this conspiracy, the premise is identical but rather the immigrants or invaders arriving from the Middle East and Africa, it is Latin Americans and African Americans that are attempting to exterminate the white race via abortion or romantic intimacy. The idea behind romantic intimacy is that blacks and Hispanics will sexually engage with white people, which in the generations to come will genetically eradicate the white gene, aka genetic genocide of the white race. Now, in my previous episode, we often look at conspiracy theories using the existential threat model, and we're going to use it again because the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory is perfect for understanding the difference between a conspiracy theory and immigration policies, which is the talking point Republicans are using to walk away from their association with this ideology. In the existential threat model, there are three parts, the existential threat, the understanding of the threat, and the antagonistic outgroup. When it comes to the Great Replacement, the existential threat will always be the extermination of a specific race, in this instance, the white race. Now, the understanding of the threat has various explanations to it. As mentioned earlier, in its more popularized form, illegal immigration is what will lead to the extinction of white people. Or it could be that brown or black people will mix with the whites, leading to the extinction of the white gene. Another one is that as Hispanic immigrants come to America, they will vote all the white people out of office, making white people the minority group. The same concept can be said for black people. In simple terms, extinction of the white race, the existential threat, will be caused by mass migration of Hispanics or the race mixing of Hispanic or blacks, the understanding of the threat. In 2013, Jesse Walker in his book, The United States of Paranoia, wrote about five different perpetrators of a conspiracy theory. When it comes to the Great Replacement, there are two forms of, of conspiratorial antagonists that are described. In the European version of the Great Replacement, 
are the Jews that are often described as the globalist elite that are controlling everything and are the reason for all historical tragedies in human history. In this conspiracy theory that is born out of anti-Semitism, the Jewish elite are considered the enemy above. This is because as Jesse Walker describes in his book, the enemy above is the enemy that are on top of the hierarchy, controlling the masses and the mainstream media. The same description Peyton Gentern used to describe the Jewish community in his manifesto. In the American variation of the Great Replacement, the conspiratorial antagonists are not necessarily the Jewish elite, but the pedophilic Democratic Party. This type of rhetoric can be seen when conspiracists talk about George Soros, for example, but it is noticeable among right-wing political pundits, and none more transparent than the highest-rated political commentator in cable news, Tucker Carlson. In his daily program, Tucker Carlson Tonight, Mr. Carlson spends an hour talking to his audience, which mostly consists of older white conservative people, talking about the failures of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, the indoctrination of, of school children being taught critical race theory, but no talking point is more controversial than that of when he talks about immigration. Now, talking about immigration policy is not a racist topic to discuss by default, but it is the manner that he speaks about immigration that has made researchers of misinformation and political extremism question whether there's another motive behind his monologues. Every so often, Tucker Carlson will villainize liberals on his program, asserting that they, the political left, hate you, the conservative viewer, that the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQ community, are trying to indoctrinate your kids and convert them into homosexuality, referring to the gay agenda conspiracy theory, a topic I covered in a previous episode and one that you can find in the show notes below. And worse, the replacement of legacy Americans, a terminology previously found in alt-right websites but now popularized by Mr. Carlson to mean Eurocentric white Americans. I'm going to play a compilation video produced by the New York Times in where they demonstrate Tucker Carlson's description of the political left as they and listen to how he defines their intentions. This is how radical demographic change happens. I don't want to live in a country that looks nothing like the country I grew up in. They can embrace the issues the middle class cares about or they can import an entirely new electorate from the third world and change the demographics of the U.S. so completely they'll never lose again. Democrats know if they import enough new voters, they'll be able to run the country forever. Dramatic demographic change means many Americans don't recognize where they grew up. As with illegal immigration, the long-term agenda of refugee resettlement is to bring in future Democratic voters. Illegal immigrants are the key to their power. The point is to import as many new Democratic voters as possible. The whole point of their immigration policy is to ensure political control, replace the population. This policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from as you just heard, Tucker Carlson's portrayal of the political left, or the ruling class as he refers to them, is the example of the enemy from the other side. Tucker Carlson's conspiratorial depiction of the Great Replacement doesn't have Jewish elites as the main antagonist. He places Democrats in the position of conspiratorial antagonist, a political faction that counters his policy preferences and moral values. Now as a listener, I want you to hold on to that point of the antagonistic outgroup because it's going to be important in understanding how conservative pundits are attempting to disassociate themselves from the Great Replacement. Ultra-conservative Ben Shapiro, on his program The Ben Shapiro Show, after the tragedy in Buffalo, New York, went on to assess how the liberal media had portrayed this event, 
stating that the laugh were using this to smear Republicans into being called racist and making anyone that talks about immigration a racist by default. Here he is making his assessment. Meanwhile, the left has decided that this entire story is not about a person who appears to be mentally ill going and shooting a bunch of black people at a supermarket, nor is it about even this person's extreme radical viewpoints. It's about the broad Republican Party and the conservative movement in general. So this is a riff on the 1995 Democratic campaign that suggested that Timothy McVeigh, who bombed the Oklahoma City Federal Building, that that was really because of Rush Limbaugh. So the new version of this is that this shooter in Buffalo is due to Tucker Carlson. This is the new version of this, is that the entire right has to be painted with the brush of this racist shooter, because after all, the entire right is concerned about illegal immigration or immigration in general, is concerned about voting patterns, is concerned about demographic changes in the country. Now, all of that is normal political discourse. There's, it's normal political discourse for people to talk about how demographic, demographic patterns in the country are going to reflect particular voting patterns in the country. Right, left, and center, that sort of talk goes on on a regular basis. Now, there's a lot to comment in that, but notice how he insists that liberals are attempting to conflate the great replacement theory with Republicans discussing immigration policies. What he's arguing is that if anyone proposes to reduce immigration from the southern border or support building a wall, that will make someone a supporter of the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory. That if you question whether immigration has an impact on elections, that it will influence Hispanic immigrants to vote for Democrats. The reason why this is a bullshit talking point is because the difference between discussing immigration policy and the Great Replacement is that in the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory, it is implied that there is a sinister cabal orchestrating mass migration to exterminate the white race by having Hispanic people fuck any white person on sight and mass produce Hispanic babies that will make this country dirtier and lead to the collapse of Western civilization. The key difference is that when Tucker Carlson talks about immigration, he doesn't do it from a sociological perspective, he does it from a conspiratorial framework, where they, the Democratic Party, want to call you a racist, where they want to turn your kids into communism, where they want to turn your kids gay, where they want to replace you. But you know what's interesting about Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson? It's their perception of Hispanic immigrants. because. For some reason, they think that all Hispanic people will by default vote Democrat or align with their every policy. I can personally tell you that that could be further from the truth. Go talk to a Cuban or a Venezuelan and ask them what they think about socialism. Ask a Central American that was born in the 50s and 60s whether LGBTQ people should get married. You'll be surprised how much Hispanic people have in common with the Republican values. It's only in the economical policies where Democrats win over Hispanics. And even then, I've come across Hispanic people that are against government assistance programs because they often think that it favors too many black people and creates laziness, a Fox News talking point. I even know Hispanic people who cross the border, but now support mass deportation because the new Hispanic arrivals are drunks and rapists. Trust me, Fox News, if you really wanted to own the Hispanic community, you just have to become pro-migration and give every Hispanic that crosses the border a cross with a Jesus Christ on it, and you'll have supporters for life. Capitalism, baby. Another conservative outlet that has attempted to defend the Republican establishment is the Instagram page Upward News, formerly known as Unwoke Narrative. On their page, they posted several images titled 
the truth about the Buffalo shooting, in which they state that the shooter was not a right-wing supporter, but as a matter of fact, a left-wing supporter, who identified as an eco-fascist. And if you're wondering what is an eco-fascist, I got you, because I didn't know either. According to Wikipedia, eco-fascist is a person that combines environmentalism with fascist or authoritarian tactics, and they often believe that overpopulation is a serious issue for which the solution is the reduction of migration or systemic genocide of minority groups to salvage the planet. In layman terms, they support Thanos from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the question remains, did Peyton Gentron identify as a left-winger? Well, he did. But he also identified as a right-winger. According to the conservative news outlet, The National Review, in his manifesto, Peyton Gentron describes his political identity in the following passage. Are you a right-wing? Depending on a definition, sure. Are you left-wing? Depending on a definition, sure. Why did Upward News exclude that part where he identified as a right-winger, depending on the definition from their post? It's beyond me, but was it because they failed to further investigate the shooter's political ideology, or was it to frame Democrats as the real influencers for the massacre in Buffalo, New York? I don't know. I'm just a podcast host. I'll let you decide. Before I conclude with this episode, there's one thing I want to talk about. While it is important to address white supremacy in all its forms, it's also crucial to become vigilant in the black extremist version of the Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory. In the last decade or so, with police brutality and systemic racism, a movement expressing hatred towards all white people has been brewing, and it's one that I believe doesn't get much attention. One of the supporters of this racist sentiment is the hate group The Nation of Islam, that on their website prohibit race mixing because according to them, it contaminates the black gene, and is a form of systemic genocide that is designed to eradicate black people. And while the ideology is not mainstream among the black community, it doesn't mean that it won't be in the future. In May 18, 1999, in Denver, Colorado, Malika Griffin got into an argument with her white neighbor, Jason Patrick Horsley, after he had placed his tools on his sidewalk. As the argument escalated, Malika went back to her house to get her 9mm handgun and shot Jason from behind at point-blank range, instantly killing him. During the investigation, it was discovered that Malika Griffin had been engaging in anti-white rhetoric, training to what she called the race war. In one of the letters found in her house during the investigation, she wrote the following, I am so sick of looking at white people. I am so goddamn tired of them. I wish I could kill those no-good faggot pedophilic rapists, thieves, and make it painful, since white laws never work for our culture. The best thing to do is ignore them. We need to control whites. For the good of womankind, look at all the destruction that they have created. We must not only devalue whites to think that they are less than us, they must be worth nothing. Their existence must have no human significance to blacks. They must exist only to assure us of our black values, to act out and attribute our most destructive instinct. Fuck our enemies, they will kill us for sure. Black women, learn defense. Kill your enemies by any means. Knives. Guns poison, make your own bombs, and make Molotov cocktails and throw them on your enemies. The sad reality is that there is currently an African-American teenager that is currently consuming this content from people like Riza Islam and Dr. Umar Johnson. And as they indoctrinate the next generation of black racist extremists, the question no longer becomes what happens if innocent white people become victims of conspiracy theories, but unfortunately, what happens when they do? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
If you're listening on Spotify, click on that follow button for me. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, click on that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. By doing so, you help expose this podcast to people who might be interested in conspiracy theories within politics. You can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Social Chemist. If possible, share this podcast with your friends to have some interesting discussions about today's episode. You can find all the references on the show notes below. So with that being said, take care and question everything with logic.